0: Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. I'm your host, John Drury. I teach systematic theology for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a couple scholars, professors, pastors dig into a scripture passage relevant to the season of the year that we are in and swap some ideas of what we're seeing in the passage, uh, dig into it a little bit, and Begin to float some sermon starters that we think might be helpful to those who are listening in. We hope that uh, you will enjoy this uh, if you're a pastor preparing sermons, or Sunday school teacher, or Bible study leader for teens, uh, but really just anyone who's just listening in and wants to learn a little bit more about Jesus, about his word, and about the scriptures. We hope it'll be of some edification and enjoyment for you. My uh, special guest this week is Luigi Peñaranda. Luigi is a, a longtime friend of mine and co-worker. He teaches uh, leadership as well as New Testament. He teaches Greek and Hebrew. He teaches everything. He's a polymath. He's amazing. Uh, he um, teaches here at the seminary with me and has been here a long time. And I've been dying to have him on and finally got one booked. So I hope he'll be a uh, regular guest because he is just one of my favorite people to um, study the Bible with he's just a, just amazing. I hope you can enjoy him as much as I do and I'm, I'm sure you will so uh, here we go <laughs> Yeah, so we're looking at, this is going to be episode, I can't remember the episode number, but it's, uh, so it's the second week of Easter, okay? Uh-huh. So first week of Easter for year C is from Luke, but then the reading on the second week was um, set for Gospel of John. Um, let's see, what is the exact verse number though? This is great radio. Right here. Talking about this. I've got it right here though. I'll look it up. John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Nice. Do you wanna you want me to read? Do you wanna read? What do you like?
1: You can you can read.
0: So being then the evening of that day, the first day of the week, and the doors being shut where the disciples were on account of fear of the Judeans, there came Jesus and he stood in the middle and was saying to them, peace to you all. Like y'all, plural, you know, (laughs) peace (laughs) y'all, peace y'all. And when he had said this, He showed him, or them, excuse me, his hands and his side. And the disciples then were glad, seeing the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace, y'all, as the Father has sent me, so I also am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed upon them and said, To them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you keep or retain the sins of any, they are retained. Verse 24. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, who was called Didymus, was not with them when he that is, Jesus came. So the others came to him. The other disciples came to him and said, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands in his hands the print of the nails and cast my finger in the mark of those nails and place my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, the disciples were inside, and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace, y'all. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it into my side. Do not be Unbelieving, but believing. Thomas said to him, replying, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now many other things and signs Jesus did before the disciples, which are not written in this book. Yet these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and so that in believing you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for this word of the gospel. We give you thanks that you raised your son, Jesus, on the first day of the week. And we give you thanks that not only did you raise him, but empowered him to appear and present himself to his own. And that he presented himself again to his own so that even Thomas might be included. Father, whether we are absent or present in the place where your disciples are gathered, we ask Father, that you would appear to your people, even now the two of us, may you, not in the way that takes place in this passage, may you at least come in a unique way to guide us in our exploration of this passage. May we be liberated by your very spirit to behold the good news that you have for us and for all those who are listening today. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who has promised to be present wherever two or three gather in his name. So in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again, Luigi, for uh, joining me today. Uh, yeah, I kind of feel like I've already done a lot of the talking because I read the passage and I prayed yeah, and, right. but you know, it wasn't, wasn't, the passage wasn't me. So, uh, I didn't write, I didn't write this. Some other guy named John, maybe wrote this. So, <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs>
0: so uh, our usual routine is to kind of just read it, pray, and then just explore a little and then take a short break. Just take a breather and then maybe go in deeper and chase down some interpretive bunny trails. Okay. And then in the third phase, we'll kind of, Begin to explore. How might we preach this? Right. So it's your standard observation, interpretation, application Excellent. kind of triplet, right? right? So, so we're still just that observation phase. So, um, what what do you notice? What stands out at you? What 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 grabbed your attention today? Uh, afresh reading. It surely you've seen the passage many times before, but so maybe an old observation, maybe a new one. What 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 grabs you today?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing that jumped at me was the the contrast. Between the disciples being locked up and afraid of the Judeans mm. and the repetition, peace be with you or peace yeah. to y'all, right? <laughs> uh, uh, just this combination of uh, where they find themselves and uh, and the assurance that they need to have over and over by Jesus. Uh, I think it was like three times in the, in, mm. in that little section that he says... Peace, uh, presumably shalom, right? Shalom mm-hmm. to you, shalom to, to you. In the midst of this place, where they they find themselves just full of fear. Um, so that was the first thing that I noticed, and uh, I wanted to ask you: do, do you think this is just a casual greeting, a Jewish mm. greeting, <laughs> shalom? Yeah. Or is he is he addressing some deeper issues in this?
0: Yeah, past? I mean, I I mean, there's n- no way to know for sure, I suppose, but, I mean, classic Jesus and definitely Jesus in the book of John. That's right. right. Right? Loves these little... These little... The surface... I, I always think it's really, like, ironic that, like, it's sometimes... I, I think this probably happens less now, but like when I was a kid, I would often hear people say like, oh, you're a new believer. Read the gospel of John. Yeah, I, I, I right. And like, and on one level, like I kind of understand it. Cause in some sense, it's all so straightforward. It's so like, Hey, I'm God. He's right? like, he's so like in your face. There's such a, it's so explicit on one level. Mm-hmm. Right. And so personal, you know, it's often, instead of having a debate with the Pharisees, he has a conversation with one guy, Nicodemus, right? So it's always very personal, very explicit. But then, like, then there's these, always the second or third or fourth layer to everything. So the way I read John, I'm like, why would any new believer want to read this? They're not going to see all this cool stuff. But, of course, that's the point is that, like, I wonder if even that's maybe the repetition is part of that. Like, you mm-hmm. almost wonder, is there a little wink the second time, right? You know, shalom. Oh, right, right, right. Peace <laughs> I leave you. Peace I give you, right? The last, some of his last words Absolutely. were giving them peace, I I don't think it's an either or. I think it is. This is literally how you say hello in the Middle East, uh-huh. right? Salam in Arabic, shalom in Hebrew right. or Aramaic. And so it's very like, you know, salam, you know, like just, exa- it, so it's almost like the most nonchalant, like appearance you could possibly have, you know, hello. <laughs> <laughs> what was the, you were telling me something. It was a, it was a Spanish word that has some Arabic in it. What was the phrase? Was it a goodbye or something? That has a kinda may God it's a kinda may God be with you, but that's not how it's usually intended. It's right. not
1: right. So ojalá okay. in Spanish uh means uh Ojalá is is uh I hope it may be. Okay. But uh most likely the root of ojalá uh comes from Allah, God, if God allows it. right? Ah,
0: so, so like God so willing is God a willing, phrase is, in yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So English? If, yeah, if God, if God allows it it would be the literal translation, okay. God willing. Is it uh,
0: used pretty, like, hopefully, like, it probably will happen? It's not yeah, a... Allah, okay.
1: like, I hope this happens. Uh, uh, and it is, yeah, it is very much like the English. When would you say it in God an everyday
0: will... conversation?
1: Actually, it would be used uh, uh, pretty much in every conversation that you have a... a, a A time in which you wish something would happen. Got it.
0: So it's meant affirmatory, kind of, right? Okay. So maybe used a little, because Lord willing in English is often kind of more like a. A little bit of a pious, you know, I, mostly only religious folk right. tend to say it. It sounds like this is a no, just part that, of the language, right? And,
1: and of course, it's a compound word that you just use. You're not really even thinking about God, and most Spanish speakers would not even use it with that connotation. It is only when you look at the, the deep gotcha. etymology that you begin to see well, the combination of cultures and uh, uh, overlapping of geography created this word. That has a meaning, yeah. deeper meaning in a culture, perhaps. Uh, that seems it, to have some overlap here, don't you yeah, think? Uh, <laughs> like, it shalom. It's very <laughs> casual yeah. in the way you, you said, in a general setting. That's,
0: That's why I that. thought of it, because we had that, com- you mentioned that one time. Yeah. And, uh, it's not necessarily consciously theological or religious term, but it has that underneath it, and that could be drawn out. I, um, I mean, you can almost see if this story was being—that would actually be a really good dynamic equivalence. Not that, but maybe, maybe if there was a hello in a in a language that had, a, yeah. if there was some kind of greeting that had religious overtones that were usually not ignored, right? You know, right. that'd be really good to put here if you were translating this. It is interesting, I right? Because oh, cool. it's just peace, but he repeats it. Yeah, peace be to you, plural you. Um, I. I it's especially because the peace language was so dominant in the chapters 13 through 17 in
1: his farewell address mm-hmm. in John. I leave my peace. Absolutely. I, I also thought, though, that uh, it is interesting that while it is only a greeting of peace, this shalom also means wholesomeness. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, John is kind of telling us this is a resurrection moment. Mm. Which is, uh, the, the beginning of something new, uh, a new wholesomeness. Yet what Jesus shows them is his wounds. So what uh. there is this moment of renewal and wholesomeness, wh- wholesomeness, uh, uh, the evidence of a uh, God is uh. doing something new is not, uh, showing them that he has been completely healed. It is actually showing them that he is the one, the wounded one, the one that has been wounded for them. Uh, so the, perhaps John has this idea of, it is the resurrection. We're reading about this glorious moment of restoration and renewal. Yet the only way to catch... Uh, the the evidence is by looking at the woundedness and the pain and the hurt that is the evidence that connects wow. them with the, the the reality of who Jesus is for them.
0: That's really striking because I I know it's really easy for me to um kind of fall into quasi apologetic kind of readings of a passage. Like I don't want to go there, but like to me, like I immediately think like, well, isn't he, this him saying? I'm the same guy that died, right? Uh-huh. Like it's about it's an identity marker. Sure. Um and I think it is that. I'm not saying it's not that. Just like in Luke you have a a similar kind of thing like, "Hey, I'm no ghost. Look, I can eat," right? <laughs> right? Like this yes. very like very see nice. it's really the same me. You're not just seeing a vision. You know, it's actually me. But having said that, there's a lot of ways to identify Jesus, right? These aren't the only things. Why is it these things? And you're hinting at a kind of even a uh, there's a juxtaposition here maybe even between shalom, especially the more Aramaic sense of the term mm-hmm. behind right. um rene in Greek um, would kind of imply like wholeness, healing, everything's made new and sewn back together again, as it right. were. Right. right. Exactly. And he's like, well, guess how things are going to get sewn together. It's, it's through um, this tortured body right? Because these are the sun. these are the, these are the marks of torture. Absolutely. You know, the crucifixion actually didn't always result in death. Um, it, uh, it, but it always functioned as a public, uh, public act of, uh, you know, terror, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. state sponsored terror. Right. That's why it was done in public at the edge of the city. Usually, and they usually be there for days before they die. Right. Um, so yeah, you do die eventually, but it's not primarily, I mean, even I was just noticing as I was studying, uh, chapter 19 of John with some teens this morning. You know? uh-huh. we, they were noticing how, and they crucified him, or the place where they crucified him, it kept repeating crucified him. Right. But it's like, it's at the beginning of the passion, it's really early. Huh. And like, you can see that, like, the past tense crucified is the act of crucifying is hanging him up on that thing. Huh. That's crucifying. Uh-huh. Right. Like, crucifying is an act of torture first, you know, then becomes death, mm-hmm. right? But it's not primarily about death. It's, it's about public shaming, I think, right. from the little I've read about it. Um, I just bring that up to say that, like, I mean, the cross and the marks of the cross, the nail marks, these are, these are the wounds of torture. Um, these are the wounds of the Pax Romana. Right of the false right. peace of Rome, right. the peace that comes through oppression, right. of con, you know,
1: yes, uh, the, the machine that is able to. You like that? I saw his <laughs> monsters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This is an exhibition, public exhibition, yeah, of of shaming someone uh, who but,
0: challenged Roman authority, right? Well, so, absolutely. and that's how you keep. That's the kind of peace that Rome gives, like like Jesus said, "Peace I leave you, peace I give you, not as the world gives." Correct
1: right yeah. <laughs> so is there a connection but uh you know it's always amazing to me that i, I, I love the, the the idea of the resurrection and the new beginning the uh in fact i love how john kind of pictured that that the appearance of the, the resurrection is is a new week is it the hmm. first day of a new week uh and, and perhaps just kind of alluding at, at, a, at a recreation, at a new creation, the, the day of the resurrection. Yet to me, it's always been puzzling that, uh, in the, in the resurrection, there was no healing yeah. from the wounded, the wounds of Jesus. He, he, he remained the wounded Jesus. And ironically, they cannot just recognize him by his physical yeah. appearance. It is very much an invitation to, to, to witness the wounds that yeah. remain in his, in his body. So it is a renewed body, but it has to have the evidence of the brokenness and the shaming. Uh, perhaps to even show this is the reversal of ah. the shame does not stick. Death has not, uh, overcome. Um, but the only way for you to access this resurrected Jesus is through his self-revelation right. and almost to uh, your identification with his woundedness.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he hints at that pretty clearly right after the second Shalom, just as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Right. You can take that just as as modifying the act of sending, but it can also imply uh, the, the, the content and mode of their mission as well, Right. <laughs> right because the father sent him uh unto persecution and you know suffering and death yeah. and the same is in store for them as he's made very clear in the same chapter 16 when he says in this world you have trouble and tribulation right but you know uh do not be troubled um i will i give you peace and i've overcome the world so i mean like yeah i'm sent just as the father sends me so i send you mm-hmm. and that just as may include with it you know, you've got some wounds coming too, right? Maybe not these, but your own. Absolutely. You don't have to die for the sins of the world like I have. Yes. But, you know, I mean, he's made it clear that, that, that suffering and it's not, even though you might bring healing to others, like the, the whole, the whole point is not like resurrection is, I mean, I had this teacher regularly say, and it used to really bug me and mm-hmm. now I'm kind of coming around, you know, like, <laughs> resurrection is not healing. He's very like just name's Craig Keene. He's
1: a, uh-huh. uh one of my, yeah
0: you've you know Craig okay yeah <laughs> I know his, his
1: writing
0: yeah yeah and and it was really used to stick in me weird like it's not like the uber healing and on one level yeah uh-huh. in the sense that all the healing ministry that Christ does are signs of his resurrection and resurrection power but it's precisely because the woundedness uh-huh. continues yeah as precisely um, integral and central to his identity right. as the one who suffered and not just suffered, but suffered unjustly at the hands of the oppressor.
1: That's right. That's right. And that
0: that's where the action is in this guy's mission.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that it, that is interesting because sometimes we view cross and resurrection only as a, as a means of salvation. So just forgiveness for my sins. Uh, but but we don't see it as a path of discipleship. Ah, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. In that sense, what you're saying, even if you keep reading all the way to chapter 21, he's really showing them his scars, his wounds, but by imparting his Holy Spirit, inviting them to to a pathway of discipleship that is going to be, Yes, there will be a shalom and there'll be a restoration, but it's also a, a painful pathway. It's, 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 gonna be, it's gonna require them to understand cross and resurrection, not just for their personal salvation, but as a means of discipleship, a way of living.
0: Well, that's really huge. I, this is, I'm loving this conversation. I, it suddenly occurred to me that we've been camping out on the first appearance as we should. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> we haven't even gotten into Thomas and it's okay because like, We kind of moved we did some observing and interpreting so let's take a just a short break and when we come back let's kind of shift the gears to the sort of second half of the passage although we can keep doubling back because they're parallel obviously um and we'll go in deep in that and chase pick up any bunny trails here and yeah so we'll be right back we're back uh someone joked uh was joking with aaron like so like during the break do you guys like go and look a bunch of stuff up and your commentaries <laughs> I'm like, no no no. we try to go Two try to keep break. this as fresh as possible but oh, um although obviously we're riffing off uh decades of commentary usage we're not <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so if it's okay with you like maybe push into the second so you get this second half of the the passage starting with 24. And if we want to jump double back, that's fine. Uh-huh. But, um, this Thomas stuff, I love it. It's kind of, it doesn't even tell us that Thomas wasn't there in the first story. Yes. So as far as you know, it is it, call it the disciples, right? It doesn't say the 12. So he was kind of careful to leave it ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Right. And it would be the 11, right? It's Judas. we're guessing not there. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but, uh, Although the Judas story has fallen off in John. We don't get any follow-up with, with Judas and John. But um, but yeah, so then it tells us, you know, ta- sadly Thomas was not there, which of course I immediately want to say, why? What was he doing? Where was he? Of course, I think of the Emmaus Road guys. Yeah. Right? Like was apparent, you know, some people were leaving. Was he heading home? Uh, was he just not gathering with them? Was he more scared? Was he less scared? I don't know. Right. It's wild.
1: Yeah, we don't know much about Thomas, and unfortunately, he has this bad reputation for being the one doubting. Yet, you could see throughout John twenty that it is actually very difficult to recognize Jesus as he discloses himself to you. So, uh, I think that's.
0: uh, Are you thinking that back to Mary even earlier? Right? Yeah. So so Mary thinks he's the gardener,
1: right? And she can't really. Uh, see him as jesus until he is the one That's that right. calls her name and uh, and very much in, in the first appearance with the disciples he's the one that has to to speak peace and bring them to his his wounds bring mm-hmm. him to himself um so i'm not really sure this is just a, a problem in the faith of thomas uh something that john is just kind of showing us that that uh uh, you could be so close to Jesus and even the resurrected Jesus, mm-hmm. but he takes the initiative to reveal himself to you.
0: Yeah, you're right. It's very clear that recognition of Jesus requires his self-revelation mm-hmm. in these resurrection stories. That's a constant theme. And yeah, and that that would fit a larger Johannine theme of um faith as a kind of seeing, Right. And how those who think they see are blind, right? I think of John ten where he says, yeah. that, you know, whereas those who are blind will see, right? And yes, and and Thomas, I mean, of course, the word doubt does not appear in the passage uh, at all. He's called doubting past, yeah. Unbelief is uh-huh. not doubt; it's different. Doubt is not non faith. It's it's uh, it's doubling. It's moving back and forth between unfaith and faith, right? It's a different issue. It's not really. Thomas' issue. If, if Thomas has an issue, it's making a demand. It's ma- it's setting. It's saying, "I have to see to believe,"
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is which is actually you. Can, in hindsight, I get, this doesn't get Thomas off the hook completely. Uh-huh. But in hindsight, it's his right. I hate to call it that, but I'm just going to go with it. It's his right as an apostle to see. The whole point is the apostles <laughs> were the eyewitnesses, uh-huh. right? Right. Like in in in, in Acts, right? Those who have been with us from the beginning and who are witnesses to the resurrection. Those were the two qualifications when yeah. they were picking Matthias, right? Right, right? When they were casting lots, right. Justice and Matthias both met those basic qualifications. In other words, they have to be like a Galilean. They have to have been around from the beginning. Right. They can't just have been like a a late fan. <laughs> they have to have been here from the beginning, plus witness the resurrection. So Judas gets the first, but Judas <laughs> is the second, right? Uh, uh, but Paul, you know, later... Paul the Apostle
1: uh-huh.
0: Tarsus yes. is, is a witness of resurrection but wasn't there from the beginning that's, right. that's part of why he's an oddball yes. um, one untimely born anyway I bring all that up to say that in a way like Thomas you know it, it, it's his apostolic you know uh, authority rests on Christ graciously granting him
1: yeah.
0: the gift of self-revelation and recognition even though he missed you know the, the <laughs> night it was supposed to happen
1: right, right? absolutely Absolutely, yeah. I wonder, too, if, uh, again, thinking of the larger themes of John, mm-hmm. as you pointed out, if he's trying to make the point, like, very early in the first chapter, he says that he came to his own, mm. but his own did not Ooh. recognize oh. him or accept him. Uh, but His own
0: received him not.
1: Yeah, But but those who did received receive him. him, he gave them the... ...authority to become children, and and in many ways throughout this chapter, you just kind of see that these are his own, uh-huh. but his own can't really see him for who he is now, y- yet in his self-revelation, they will be able to recognize he is God and Lord, uh, uh, Thomas says... And it is hard to interpret Jesus saying, have you believed because you have seen me? Um But in many ways, in a sense, uh, Jesus needed to reveal himself yeah. to, to Thomas for him to come to the acknowledgement of, yeah, I've been with Jesus, I've been a witness, I've seen with these eyes. But now there's a moment in which the veil kind of, comes yeah. and, and he, he has this revelation of my Lord and God. Uh, so something happens there that is, is very unique.
0: Yeah, and it's very tempting, I think, for us to think like, he, he's not saying, cursed are you right. for having seen. <laughs> he's only saying yes, extra blessing yes. for those. And he's totally talking to the camera here. Like Jesus turns <laughs> to the camera, blessed are you, re- oh reader, That's right? right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like Mark, you know, let the reader understand, <laughs> right? Like Like, behold, you who are reading this, you've not seen, but you have enough. You yes. be on the basis of their witness. Yes. But there had to be the eyewitnesses, you know, those who saw him um, as the messengers, mm-hmm. for those who come to believe in him uh, without having seen, yes. as first Peter says, you know, though you have not seen him, you love him, right. Right? Um, right? and we will all see him again. So there's a sense in which the disciples, the original crew, having seen him in his resurrection, the apostles have had a kind of foretaste of the end Mm -hmm. of the seeing that we all will have. And Jesus kind of saying, it's okay that, because of course, John's written, uh, most likely all, all but one or all of the apostles are dead by the time this is down on paper. And there's clues about that in the final chapter. I'm not just saying that from the commentaries, you know, he's like, this is the one, the one who is, who he loved is the witness to these things. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's clear that like the eyewitness wit matters. Right as the kind of foundation of sure. the, the the apostolic tradition that's Absolutely. handed on, Absolutely. and he's saying almost to us, "Hey, even though all of these people are dead now, no one—you can't go find someone who's seen Jesus with their own eyes. Don't worry, there's actually an extra blessing for you because you know what? Even if you were there, you probably would have missed it anyway. Because yeah. we tend to think that Absolutely. if I was there, I would have. No, <laughs> he would have been in the crowd, him <laughs> <"Where's the fire?" laughs> yeah.
1: Absolutely. I mean, maybe a, a he, another he chooses theme, them. I don't yeah. remember as you were speaking, uh, the Samaritan woman in yeah. John chapter 4, uh, that, that she has some hints of, I know the Messiah is coming. And, and in that conversation, Jesus kind of has to say, well, you, you're talking to him, you're speaking to him. And it is this move from not seeing to seeing. Yeah. And Later on, perhaps in chapter 9, when he heals a blind person, uh, who ends up seeing who right. he is versus Pharisees who, uh, can't see physically, but they miss completely what's, what's ahead of, in, in front
0: of him. Right. And John 12 ends up ch- quoting, um, from Isaiah, that famous passage. It appears with the parable of the sower in right. the synoptics, but at, in John, it appears at the end of his public ministry is that statement of, you know, though seeing they do not see hearing, they do not understand. Right. This kind of, this kind of, for lack of a better term, a paradox of, you know, the blind see and the seeing are blinded, kind of, uh, confounded in the face of Christ's self revelation. Um, and even now, the, the, the cat's out of the bag after resurrection, as it were. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Right. But
0: now he is, we no longer get to see him. We only have the word of the apostles to go on. You know what I mean? Uh, but that doesn't mean we can't in a different sense, because in a sense, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe you won't agree with this, but like, I keep thinking that there's a sense in which for John that faith is a kind of seeing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Faith is a form of sight. Right, you know, and I think for someone like Paul, faith and sight are contrast terms mostly. Uh-huh. Right now we have faith; later we'll see. Right, Right. Um, which fits the fits his own experience uh-huh. as one who was a persecutor and then saw a vision, and that's what changed everything. Yeah, yeah. But then he didn't keep seeing it. It's not like he was seeing Jesus every day appearing to him. Right, he he saw, but then and was speaking to Gentiles who didn't have the kind of more uh, local connection that Palestinian mm-hmm. Jews would have had to right. the story of Jesus. Yeah. They've never seen these places that they're hearing stories of. So it's all about faith, you know? Yes. And But sight, someday we'll have sight. Faith will turn to sight for a guy like Paul. Whereas like, with John, you almost get the vibe, again, since he was with them all from the beginning and probably might have even been family friends, who knows? There uh-huh. seems to be real intimate connection. Like, everybody saw Jesus. Seeing means nothing. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> what really matters is believing, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, seeing can help you believe, but it's ultimately like, maybe maybe you won't like this way of putting it, but it's almost like it's a crutch to have to need that. It's not that it's wrong. He'll offer it. Yes. Right? Just like his signs, you know, believe in me. But if, if you can't believe in me, then believe in the signs. Almost, he says that in chapter 13, as if it's like, I'd like you to just believe in me without the signs, <laughs> but here's some signs if you need them. Like yes. he offers it just as with Thomas, like, it's almost like Thomas had the opportunity. Again, I don't want to poo-poo on Thomas. Again, I don't think he's this super doubting. Yeah, he's I simply asking mean. for what they asked for. Exactly. I just, <laughs> they got to see it. I want to see it, right? Yes. But he did have his opportunity here
1: mm-hmm.
0: to believe based on their witness. In other words, he's being presented with the opportunity that we, as reader, now I'm getting playful, but he's a stand-in for the reader.
1: Yes, it, exactly. It almost seems. And don't wait till he shows himself again because it'll be too <laughs> late. <laughs> Yet it almost, yeah, it almost it almost shows too uh, this uniqueness about Jesus wanting to show himself to Thomas. Yeah. So it it makes Thomas special in many ways. That's true. Uh, because. Uh, uh, yes, he missed that first encounter, but just like you were saying, even his the, the appearances of Jesus after the resurrection did not give you this permanent mm-hmm. affirmation, uh, but just these glimpses of his presence That's and right. his, uh, physicality. He's not a ghost. He's, mm-hmm. he's resurrected in human body.
0: Physical, but, but not permanently present physically. I mean, it doesn't okay. narrate in 23... His his withdrawal, uh-huh. but it's implied. Implied, right. Because when they come to him, and it's a whole week before they see him again. Absolutely. It's a long wait. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: I do think... He's nice...
0: experienced what we, are, for a lot of Christians, we just live between right. his first and second. Yes. Oh, I just thought of that. I'm really proud of that. <laughs> but it's like we're living in that week, the Thomas week. Yeah. You know, it's between, you know, it's these 2,000 years are that week for Thomas. Which makes it fitting that he was such a great apostle that took the gospel all the way to India, mm-hmm. you know, um, went further than any other apostle. Even if Paul made it to Spain, this, that's still nothing
1: compared to India. <laughs> that's that's close compared to India. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. Yeah. And here is a kind of seeing some uh, uh, perhaps not a problem in the text – <laughs> but uh but a contrast in in the first week in the first appearance uh there's something really important in that passage in which jesus uh breathed yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, on uh yeah. the, the disciples that were there, and uh if you will now Thomas missed that also.
0: <laughs> 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 so you're saying uh Thomas Christians in South India aren't filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm
1: just kidding. But it, it seems it seems really interesting that uh yeah. in a sense that, that that Johannine moment of receiving the Spirit mm-hmm. happened in the first appearance and uh, and in a sense Thomas is, is also saying, I wanna see him, I, I will believe, but to what extent the second appearance it's also, uh, it yeah. also implies that the necessity of, uh, it is Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, who is sending them out in the power of the Spirit. And, uh, so perhaps he, he believes all of this and he has this encounter with Jesus, but perhaps he should not be disconnected from the fact that they are the ones, uh, who need the new breath, uh, of right. Jesus to carry on.
0: Yeah, I I I think I have some thoughts on that question. Cuz I think it is a service level contradiction mm-hmm. that you have Thomas not experiencing these crucial this crucial threefold event mm-hmm. of of commissioning just as I'm sent so you so I send you uh the blowing of the spirit and saying receive uh-huh. and then the um the authorizing for forgiveness, right? The the power of the keys as it's referred to in uh in matthew chapter 17 it's only given to peter there that's right right the, mm-hmm. but here you classic john well peter's great but <laughs> we all we all got the power of the keys too <laughs> it's like i don't know i take it that way <laughs> um john uh you know never never directly demotes peter as the titular you know leader of the disciples but uh Tries to find subtle ways to kind of complicate his <laughs> right. his uh, primacy, right? <laughs> um, Throughout, especially in the resurrection passages here oh, you know, yeah, in twenty twenty one, there's a lot of little subtle things. Yeah. But um, so but that that the so power of the key, so the so you could call it the commissioning. This is the Johannine Great Commission. Uh-huh. It appears on Resurrection Day, yeah, right. not a while later up in Galilee as it does in Matthew, right? Not. Uh, at his ascension as it does in Luke and Acts, right? right? So very interesting, right? Uh-huh. Although there's some commission language in the Easter day passage in Luke 24. So there's not a total contradiction there, mm-hmm. but, um but uh yeah, so you have this, the, this crucial sort of triple, you know, little triplet of, of commissioning outpouring of the spirit and author authority power of the keys i'm just going to call Mm -hmm. it for shortness uh brevity um not one of my (laughs) strong suits uh and none of those three right however it seems to me there's at least two counterpoints to why that's not as problematic as it was the first is just pure kind of storytelling storytelling literary Mm -hmm. uh uh style like john knows how to tell a story and it's it's a total like totally ruins the moment if after this whole encounter with Thomas, which perfectly plays in, that Jesus looks at the camera, it's his last line in the kind of, like his the curtain almost falls at the end of 20. And right. you get this like, you know how like in the last Lord of the Rings movie, it seems like the movie keeps stopping and then,
1: Like goes to black,
0: it even goes to black, and the music changes a little, and there's another scene. So you get the vibe. It's a little bit of a denouement. 21 is very denouement ish, you know, it's kind of got a. And 30 and 31 almost feel like a conclusion to the book, right? And so, right there, last line of Jesus in the body of the book, you could say, is blessed are those who, though they do not believe, uh, do not see our mm-hmm. believing directed, obviously at the reader, right? Thomas as a reader stand in. And then boom, this statement about why I wrote this. I wrote this so that you may believe. Yeah. So this is all about faith and belief. It would just totally jack up the story. <laughs> if you like, oh, oh, let me quit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me blow some spirit on you. Like it would just be bad style. Uh, yeah. so I think that's my first level <laughs> counterpoint. My second level counterpoint is that Is actually really good news. I think theologically, Uh to recognize that these these three this this triple this triplet is not being granted to the individual disciples. It's being granted to the body of Christ's community of mission. This is not being granted. This is not the special privilege of those ten men plus one a week later. I don't Uh think that's true. I think it's these are not special privileges. These are. These are gifts granted to the church, including us now as we read it, which I think this invites us to believe. So Thomas was a week late, but he's still in on the commission Uh and authority. We're 2000 years late, you know, and a, we get a better blessing because we're believing about seeing that's right. And B um, we're a part of that. So I think this is, this is, I think the power of the keys and the great commission, this is granted to the church. Yes. Um, that would be my take on it. That would be kind of my theological answer that I think coheres with other things that and fits the style because he's
1: Very he's much. always
0: trying to. We're supposed to read ourselves into the disciples a bit. We we understand their uniqueness,
1: they're eyewitnesses much.
0: in ways we aren't. Uh-huh. But clearly, the gospels are written with us in mind as Christ's disciples. Absolutely. Know?
1: Yeah, I don't see it as as problematic. Like you said, I think. It's a way of telling this story. Yeah,
0: um, it's still fun to pose, though. It's still it, fun to imagine, it like if is. I was there. Like, was there? What? Like, what did, he, did Thomas like, Hey, I heard about the Holy Spirit. Can I have that? And of course, the contradiction of Luke is pretty obvious because you're kind of like he doesn't get the Holy Spirit till after the ascension. And then fifty days later, and Thomas would have been there, no problem, right? So it's almost like Luke maybe was even aware of this problem, and he's like, "Well, I'll fix
1: that. Yeah. I'll just put. I'll just
0: put it later." <laughs>
1: I, I think that you're right in, in, in many ways. I think there's themes in John that play again here. For instance, when Jesus talks to uh, Nicodemus about being born of the yes.
0: Spirit,
1: yeah. uh, that, that, that you don't necessarily see the wind blowing, but right. you know that it's coming. And to what extent, like, all these experiences of they're unable to see... But but really, in the appearance of the resurrected Jesus and the giving of the wind, they are experiencing this new moment where they see the kingdom. They yeah. see the king. Uh, uh, you know, even the Samaritan woman, she has this moment in in which. How do we worship? Like trying to understand the Messiah as she imagined him. Uh, you guys say in Jerusalem, and we say here. Uh, in Mount Ebal, and, uh, Jesus says, no, 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 God is spirit. The way you will worship uh. is in spirit and in truth. And, and it will not be so much the way you imagine it to be, but, but you will have to worship and see him in a different way. So I wonder to, if in a, in a sense, uh, we're seeing this kind of like you said, the spirit is falling and is, this is not exclusive for, um uh, yeah, for the twelve, as much as anyone that can catch the wind of the spirit will discover that God is moving in, in a different way. Yeah, and, and John has kind of told us that. Um, and also, it reminded even if me you that, haven't seen it, yes, <laughs> it yeah. reminded me too. And I don't know if this comes into into place or not. Of a story in the Old Testament, uh, when God tells Moses, "Bring to me seventy-two elders." And I will pour my spirit yeah. on them. But two of them weren't there, and the spirit also fell on right. them. Right. Right.
0: Numbers 11, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. the, the reference.
1: But this idea in which, like, well, wait, they weren't with us. Like, why is the spirit falling ah. on those who were not in the right place at the right time? And and perhaps it's also kind of showing us what you were saying uh, this is not about the who we're in the room as much as this is what God is doing yeah. uh, for those who can believe. Yeah, but I have every reason to believe that in a sense that Thomas
0: is not a bearer of the resurrection spirit until he is with them again. Hmm. So it's for him. Yes. But he doesn't receive it till a week later. Although I don't know if Christ needs to blow it on him. It's, <laughs> I wonder if just being... I mean, notice the biggest difference between verse 24... And verse uh, 26, right? In 24, it's, and Thomas was not with them. And then 26, yeah. Thomas was with them, right? Like, like, yes. like, Thomas's big mistake wasn't, you know, doubting, demanding, whatever. Right? The big mistake was he just wasn't there. Right? He just wasn't. He just wasn't with other disciples on. I don't know Sunday night. <laughs> like you got to be there on Sunday because that's when Jesus shows up. Right? It's one week later. It says after eight days, but this means on the eighth day. In other words, one week. It's clearly a reference to weekly worship. I think uh, John's, I think, signaling that. Yeah. Show up every yeah. week. You might see Jesus, (laughs) even though I'm dying, even though the apostles are gone, even though you, there's no one left for you to ask questions of what was it like to be with Jesus in the flesh. You don't need that. This is what Paul's getting at when he talks about body of Christ. That's not John's language, but it's, it's making a similar point of be with the disciples, um, gather weekly. Right. On the first day of the week. Sure. This is, this is a, it's, it's a narrative argument. It's not a, it's not an instruction, but I feel like this passage is the strongest argument for meeting weekly and uh-huh. for meeting specifically on the first day of the week, yeah, not just any day of the week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, even though it's not an art, it's not a, it's a narrative argument. So it doesn't have the same prescriptive force as a, like a Pauline instruction. Right. Make sure you always do X. Although I feel like it has an even stronger force if you're open to it. Like it just as an invitation, like, Where else would you want to be on the first day of the week, but with other disciples, just in case Jesus appears (laughs) to them, because you'll be there too, right? Um, And man, it makes me think of that Emmaus story. You can see there's this kind of almost parallel thematically. Uh It's almost like, because remember, he appears to those guys on Emmaus road, leaving, they're leaving Jerusalem, He appears, has this conversation. They don't recognize him. Same, you have the same recognition stuff. He self-reveals in the breaking of bread, wounds again, similar kind of symbolism, Mm -hmm. Um, and then immediately disappears. And he doesn't even tell them go back to Jerusalem. They just know what to do, right? Like, and where do they go? They go back to be with the disciples. And they're not one of the twelve, but they may have been one of the ones, maybe one of the seventy. You mentioned it was seventy-two, and Uh and there was a group of seventy that were sent out. So maybe they're among that group because they're. They seem to be Galileans. They're leaving, sure, right? Sure. Um, they're not from Jerusalem, probably. You know, I mean, these are hunches. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. But just similar dynamic of Jesus, to use the language from uh, John 10 of the shepherd, right? It's, it's him bringing the flock back together, yeah. right? And it's like, this is silly, but you almost can picture Jesus kind of showing up and be like, oh, where's Thomas? You know? <laughs> I'm going to have to come back next week.
1: <laughs>
0: and great, he doesn't tell, he doesn't go and appear to Thomas, He doesn't, interestingly, right? He's, it's kind of, and he doesn't exactly tell the disciples to go get him. He just, it's kind of implied, like, they do what you do. We have seen the Lord. Yeah. Just as Mary did to them, you know?
1: Very interesting. Um, Do you think then, perhaps speaking up from John 1, 1, that he tells (sighs) us in the beginning, uh, kind of leading us back to... Genesis and the creation story, the first day, second day. Uh it's kinda leading us now to the resurrection in which uh uh you know he First
0: day slash eighth day. Right. In a sense he's
1: kind of rested on on the seventh day. Yes. But on the first day when these disciples are gathering or when Thomas gathers, it is it is the day of a new week. It is the day of a new creation if to use Paul's language As if John is kind of telling us that he was in the beginning, he is the light, he is bringing life. They did not recognize him, but to those who received him, he gave him authority to be children of God. And now in this chapter, in 20, we're kind of seeing that again. Mm-hmm. The, the beginning of a new week is, uh, it is the revelation of a new light and, the, and the, the breath of the Spirit that is sending them out once again as a new creation. I think that's in, absolutely in what's going on. I don't think I ever saw the connection to
0: John 1. I, 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 the creation thing I see, uh-huh. but the, the, even the, the days of the week dynamic... Is a way of kind of making that connection at a deeper level. Right. Because the light, you know, in, you know, in the beginning God created, right? It's in the beginning was the word. And what's the first thing the word says? Light. Let there be light. Right. And in him was light and the light was the life. Um, in him was life and the life was the light of humans. Mm -hmm. So it's this kind of light that shines in the darkness, right? Yeah. On the first day of the week. Yeah, I love reading John 1 as a resurrection story as much as an incarnation a resurrection poem, not just an incarnation poem. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: Um it's exactly. I'm not saying it's it's not one or the other. That's how John writes. It always kind of has these kind of multivalence uh that it invites um just like the, his own from earlier from verse 11 we were talking about mm-hmm. like cuz that he came to his own in the sense of the world, he was the creator which is the imagery at first, but then as you keep reading, you realize, oh, it's meaning his own meaning the Jewish people. So it's covenantal, right. not just creational. Mm-hmm. And I never saw the third layer, the ecclesial sense that you brought out today, that his own, he came to his own and his own knew of not meaning Mary and Peter, yeah. James and John and Thomas, right. man. Yeah, no, I see that. That's a strong, striking connection. I mean, he dies on the sixth day. Right. Towards the end of the day, because the Sabbath was, you know, the Sabbath was coming and the uh-huh. day ends at sundown. Um, and he, his last lines, he says, it is finished. Right. Just as God finished his creative work on the sixth day, creating <laughs> the human. Right. And looked at all of it and said, it is good. Right. And then he rests on the seventh on the Sabbath, which is not Sunday. It's Saturday, right? He's Sabbath, yeah. <laughs> Sabbath day and worship day are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. They weren't for the early Christians. And I don't think they're theologically the same thing either. And I think mm-hmm. we get confused when we mix them. That's good. Um, and then he rises on the first day of the week, which is also in a certain sense, the eighth day, the day that hasn't yet happened. This new. Right. <laughs> no, I think this is John's. Very again, but none of this stuff at first read, it's just a story. It's just Jesus showing up saying, That's right. Peace, y'all. That's what's great with John is that he keeps it the surface level is as simple as it can be. It's a straightforward story. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing confusing about it at first. It's just a series of events. Yeah. But he's chosen his words so carefully to draw our attention, to see things. Yeah. And, and it helps even explain why he just leaves out so much stuff that was well-known probably at his time already. Whether he had read the synoptic gospels, the synoptic yeah, I mean, material is probably known to him. Uh-huh. Um, and he just doesn't care if it seems like it contradicts it. He's just like, I don't care. You know, just, I want you to point – I want I want to draw attention to certain things. Yes. So I'm going to draw – I just remember talking actually – thing along those lines. Matthew 28, when they meet in Galilee, says, and they saw him and they worshipped him. Mm-hmm. But, some but some doubted three yeah. words, right. Uh-huh. But some doubted. Yep. Right. And it's almost like this is a whole story length, uh, midrash on that one <laughs> little line, right. You know, just pull it out. A classic John, right. Like, just like instead of, you know, uh, you know, the generic Pharisees, you get Nicodemus, mm-hmm. right. Uh, <laughs> the woman at the well, you get these very highly specific characters yeah. always interacting, and in a similar way, here you get this Thomas, right? And it's expanded, and and it draws us in, you know.
1: And I'm not sure that just because they have an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, it all of a sudden becomes clear mm. that what they ought to be doing or what what will happen next. Uh, it's almost like this. They have these glimpses of affirmation. I believe yeah. you, um, but not necessarily this clarity onto. Yeah. What next? Right? Yeah. Um, and uh now I'm thinking as a reader of John, someone gathering on the first day to worship, uh, uh you're going to these moments where you were in community, you, you come to have an encounter with Jesus, uh, which often means he gives you assurances that he is who he says he is and that he's alive and has conquered. Yet you still need to continue to live in a reality right. in which your your belief in him is, is is a sense of trust. But I still don't know how things will play out. And even in chapter 21, they're still trying to sort out, so, so what?
0: Yeah, they go back uh, to fishing. Right?
1: Right. <laughs> right. How do we, what do we do? Uh, but it is in, in this continual believing and trusting that, that that it actually kind of makes sense from... From first day of the week to another first day of the week, you have these these moments together as a community uh, where you see glimpses of of resurrection
0: yeah, it's the first day of the week, not the weekend, right It's the beginning of something new, yes. and it's continual, right yes. We're constantly being renewed and on the assurance of our faith and still coming to insight of what that entails for us, and it's not all uh clear and sort it out right away. No, I mm-hmm. think that's spot on. And I think this passage invites that kind of open-endedness. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's all right, let's take a quick break. And then if you have maybe a few more minutes, just to talk a little bit of how might we preach this passage, sure. you're all right with that. All right. Absolutely. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. <laughs> Yeah, so we went about down a bunch of different roads. This was a blast, dude. I had so much fun with you doing this. Like, but like if we wanted to zero in for ourselves, like just thought experiment. You're you're preaching on this this Sunday. You're feeling you know you found out last minute. You got a friend who's sick. You're covering. That's how we think of it because we're you know uh, privileged professors now. We don't have to do the grind of preaching. And, but a lot of our listeners, they're preaching every week and they're I they appreciate uh, our exegetical insights, but they also appreciate hearing yeah, like, yeah. what's the sermon idea? What's the, like a idea, where would you run with this? I mean, that's hard to do on the spot, but just for fun, like, uh, let's write a sermon real quick. Just me and you, yeah, <laughs> where, where would we want to go with all, there was all these different themes. Of course, a, a good sermon usually is more focused, right? So like, what's the, what's, what's the kind of angle? What's the, the hook that we might grab to, what draws your energy today?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, maybe two things. Uh, the the first one has to do with the last things we were, we were saying. Um, I think every pastor wants to put together a sermon because people come, uh, to worship on this first day of the week. Um, but sometimes you just kind of fall into the routines. And Hmm. yes, it may be a resurrection Sunday. And sometimes we create this energy within the church to celebrate these moments. Uh, but to be reminded that it, it, we gather together every Sunday on the first day of the week um, because every first day of the week is a reminder of a new beginning, a new yeah. creation, a new chapter that uh, we actually gather because that is Resurrection Sunday, not just on Easter, but as we get together as a community, uh, we, we are together and allow Him to show Himself to us. So I think I would begin to emphasize in a sermon the importance of being with a worshiping community that gets these glimpses of resurrection as we get together. Uh, So uh, playing a little with the character of Thomas, who in a sense wasn't present in this first appearance of Jesus after the resurrection, he gets to experience uh, the resurrected Christ as he is with the community (laughs) of believers on the first That's a fun sermon, man. Because it's
0: fun because it's a great way to like, it's it's great because it's a great sec. Because this is for the lectionary. This is the second week of Easter. It's right. it's, and whether you follow the lectionary or not, great week, great time of the year to follow the lectionary. Of course, is Lent and Easter because it's like you're probably going to be preaching Easter sermons anyway. <laughs> and why not? Why build up all that anticipation for Easter and not drag it out a little? You know, mm-hmm. like. You know, milk it a little, right. even if you don't go all the way to Pentecost, at least for a couple of weeks, talk right. about the resurrection. And so fitting that this is a week later to tell this story Yeah, and to be able to. And the fact is, is, you know, a lot of people come on Easter. It's their first time. Mm-hmm. And I think I think sometimes pastors can uh, be negative about that. You know, Christmas and Easter only Christians or whatever. <laughs> but that's opportunity. Right. Sure, like. Absolutely. And what a great thing, though, to say on the next week. Right. Not to bring that up on Easter Sunday, just enjoy the resurrection. With the next week, say, <laughs> you know, actually, maybe don't just come here mm-hmm. once a you know uh, uh, once a year. Or if you're here this week and last week was your last week, we're so glad you're here. Keep coming back. Jesus might show up here, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: and if he doesn't even a bigger blessing because blessed are those who without seeing still believe. Right. So there's something you could play around the presence of Jesus, but also his visual hiddenness Mm -hmm. in the time between the times. I think it's a fun sermon. I'm trying to think like, what's the hook like uh, first day of the week, I'm trying to find a phrase or a title. Not that you have to have a sermon title, but you know, it just kind of helps me get my head around it. But, uh, yeah, I know, I know, like I know one of the jokes I want to play with if I were to preach this sermon, right? <laughs> is my my kids always know this? Like you can't have a calendar in our house on the wall that does that makes Monday the first day of the week. <laughs> like yes. those aren't allowed in my
1: house. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that is interesting.
0: About, uh, <laughs> and they'll joke, but it'd be fun to even bring in two calendars, one with like a real lived marked up calendars that you've used or that you get from friends (laughs) and just show the kind of difference of perspective. Yeah. Not that it's not like one is unholy. It's not about
1: right and wrong. It's about
0: perspective. Yes. And there's a different perspective when you think of the, uh, think of Sunday, not as the end of the weekend, but as the beginning of the week. That's right. And I know it's helped me even as I've started not using the pagan names of the days. Mm -hmm. Uh, I could even, you can make jokes about that. Like, I don't know about this day of the sun and the yeah. day of the moon. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. These are, these are pagan days. Yeah. Um, to, uh, um, Spanish does it a little better, right? You know, Sabado right. and Domingo. These are, uh, the, the bars, um, yeah, yeah you have some of them, but you have the, yeah. at least, uh, uh, Sabado is, is uh-huh. Sabbath, right? Yeah. I mean, so that's nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little clear that the Sabbath is Saturday, not yeah. Sunday, right? Yeah. In, in Spanish language. Yeah. I don't know how practice, but, um,
1: But the the rest of the days would be... (laughs) Yeah, first
0: day, second day, third day. Uh Um,
1: Yeah, and if I'm just highlighting that, you know. It it is interesting uh, that throughout the book of John, too, Jesus has a different time. He's Ah. he's looking at the hour has not yet come, the hour has come. He's kind of showing uh, that he's operating under a different calendar, if you will. And I would try to bring that to a sermon in saying that... uh, just like we said first day of the week is is clearly a mark of a new beginning a new mm-hmm. creation uh and he who was in the beginning is now recreating and and we get to experience that from the very first day of the new
0: creation. Yeah. Right? And side note, if anyone's listening in on this and like, hey, man, we do Saturday night service or we do Sunday night yeah. service. <laughs> don't worry. Jews start the day at sundown. So Saturday night counts as first day of the week. And there's evidence from from the book of Acts uh, chapter 20, uh twenty, twenty-one. I can't remember the Troas story. Um, and, um, from first Corinthians, there's some evidence that they met in the evening because Sunday would have been a work day at that time. Mm -hmm. So Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, it's the the time of day is not as important. Actually. I think it's the, the notion of a fixed time when we gather and it being the beginning of the week. I think that imagery matters Mm -hmm. and highlighting that can be really Powerful and, and really practical, actually. Like to just really say, like, there's a reason we do this. It's not just a tradition. Yeah. It really is yeah. um, a way of following in the footsteps um, of Christ and encountering Him and His wounds. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: Yeah. I I also think that for a sermon, uh, it would be really important to show the contrast how in John Jesus appears and and breathes uh, the Spirit mm-hmm. on the disciples and and. And this moment, perhaps even connecting it with what we're talking about—that's right, new creation. The 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 Genesis chapter two, the the breath of God is the beginning of the mm-hmm. the living creature, and uh, and in a sense, this is a new beginning. This is this is a resurrection encounter on the first day of the week, where the Spirit of God is breathing new life and. And we can see that now they, these are the children of the spirit. Uh,
0: yeah. In many ways, you have these like kind of three points to the sermon in a way in verses 21 through 23, right? You can kind of have like in terms of the details of what, what is it that happens to us mm-hmm. every Sunday when we gather? Mm-hmm. Cause this is kind of the first half of sermon is gathering. And then what is it when Christ appears? What does he do? Yeah. Well, he sends us out, right? Mm-hmm. He gives us his spirit afresh, right? Um, and forgives our sins and gives us the power to forgive. Yeah. Right. So you could kind of, or you could switch around and make it peace sending and spirit because the sending kind of goes with the forgiving. That's kind of what they do, but I mean, you could play around. I feel not that not, I mean, my sermons usually have one point and they only have three points as a way to kind of get into the depth of (laughs) the one point. Right. But I mean, you could kind of, you could explore the spirit, just that, or you could talk a little bit about sending. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and forgiveness, which is new start, right? And that this new start happens every week, right? So if you weren't here last week, th- there's a fresh start every new week. Yes. I mean, I think that'd be a fun sermon to, to preach. I, I want to preach it. <laughs> 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 yeah, me too. I think it's pretty good. I mean, you get a whole little model of what you do in church here, right? Because it says they rejoice when they saw that it was the Lord, they rejoiced. Uh-huh. Right? So we rejoice, right? <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> so worship in, you know, joy the giving of peace, right? The being sent out. It's like a whole little you could build a whole little model of yes. what worship's all about that's here. Right. Um
1: and in Jesus showing his his body, but we're reminded that, that they are the sent out, that they are the body. Mm-hmm. So you have all those elements in this passage.
0: Yeah. Well that's fun. That's a fun sermon. Let's let's preach it. Let's work it out. Oh, and back to your very first point, back to to verse 19, fear. Right? He mm-hmm. just you know you you don't, you don't, you don't come uh, to be with the community weekly because you've got everything sorted out, right? You come in fear, you come with doubt. That's yes. when it's helpful to highlight Thomas's doubt, but not, not, not berate it, but you come with unknown, you know, um, uncertainty, yeah. right? So you don't come here with these things. You leave here with those things. Don't come here. Don't, don't think you have to have all the peace and, and spirit power before, This is precisely where to come to receive and be empowered. I don't know. That's a fun sermon. Yep. (laughs) And I get to show off. I've got this, 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 uh, sloth yoga calendar. Did you see that in my car? Was it in my car once when you were (laughs) so creepy? It it was so weird that I, couldn't get myself to hang it up in my office. I just I didn't want to creep out a student. Who would <laughs> come? Cuz it's just weird. But I love sloths and I and I love yoga and my my kids knew this. And so they found this calendar of this um, I think I would bring that into the sermon just because it's funny, and it starts on Sunday. It's a proper calendar. It's hanging up at home now. We—I didn't pull the trigger. I was going to put it on the back of the door in here, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to freak out anybody. Who comes to, me. I chickened out. Okay, well, uh, thanks so much, Luigi. I had yeah. a blast with you. I hope you had some fun too. Oh, and you'll come back.
1: Yeah,
0: thanks. Man, we were, we jumped all over John. That was nutty.
1: We did, which That's it, our it, style, it, though, yeah. <laughs> and it's important to remind uh, uh, anyone that's listening that to read John, you really need to see how yeah. there are so many themes. That overlap, uh, so so actually sitting down and reading John from the beginning yeah till the end is a great
0: exercise. And and all, it, you can do it in under two hours. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty easy one sit read. Yeah, Aaron and I were joking once that you can like he, we were both preaching. You did one too this semester. Uh, you know the or maybe it was yeah. last semester the yeah. the series the uh, Bible Mondays at oh, Chapel yeah. at IW That's and right. and we were joking at one point how in in a way like a topical or thematic sermon on John just is an expositional sermon <laughs> or the other way around. Like an, to be expositional, of just one passage, yes. you end up rolling with themes that are across the book. Yeah. And like almost not everybody, but a lot of us, when we preached in Javel this year for the series that we did, ended up preaching the whole book of John yeah, right. in that, that chapter, right. <laughs> but it still ended up being different every week because it was a slightly different angle. Yeah. Because it's not really about the chronology in John anyway. It's often more of like this diamond that you're just... He's taking a look at the whole of Jesus from these different angles. Right. And you see the light refracted a different way from each angle. Yes. And he
1: has hand-picked signs that he can put in front of you so that precisely you could have this kind of encounter that, that you would believe.
0: You're right. That's why I wrote this stuff. Like he says... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know there's a whole bunch of other signs right. and they're in those other books that you've read. But I selected these. You're right. Just these. And really, you don't even need you don't need all of them. You okay. don't even need right. one. And right. really, in the end, yes. Jesus reveals himself. Yes. But our job is to offer something, mm-hmm. to, sh- to tell some kind of story, to put a few words together, to offer to another that refracted through that the light of the world would be refracted through that and that's all we can do um and some of us want to tell a bunch some of us are just going to tell seven you know others we might just have one thing all we can tell is our own story and that's yeah. all we've got to offer and that's enough yes because it's the one and the same light being refracted through all of them Absolutely. that's a whole other sermon <laughs> Maybe i preach that one too <laughs> Well, thanks so much, uh, Luigi. And thanks to all of our listeners out there. And uh, just want to say thanks for um, listening in and, and being a part of uh, this new experiment with Fresh Text. It's been, been a joy and a delight. Um, big thanks to Eric Fisher for um, his production work. He always makes it sound a lot more professional than anything. Uh, it's still surely not. I, I make it unprofessional, but... <laughs> he makes it even better than it would be if it was just raw so thank you so much Eric thanks uh, Tom for donating um, the music uh, for transitions and uh, yeah you got anything to plug anything you want to uh, mention that's coming out this this will be dropping in late April so anything coming up in May are you speaking anywhere or... just
1: uh, as a reminder that Aaron Perry and I are uh, co-leading the d in Transformational Leadership and we Are uh, taking applicants and it's just going to be a a wonderful experience going through a DMin
0: program. Yeah, Doctor of Ministry and Leadership. Um, It'll start this summer, fall, and yeah, our first. uh, We'll have. uh, I'm in the second year with the Spiritual Formation one, and we'll be here together in the fall with Ruth Haley Barden speaking on community and leadership discernment stuff like that. So I'm really excited about it. So yeah. So, yeah, there's still slots left, so apply. Uh, maybe there'll be a slot for you. So thanks so much, Luigi. And, uh, yeah, thanks to all the listeners. And have a good preach and a great week. Bye.